You are listening to Present Truth Ministries Radio, telling the world that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Welcome to PTM Contender Live. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in to us, whether it be on YouTube uh, or through our audio podcast. We trust that this has been a blessing for you as we go into what is the message. So uh, we've done part one, two, and three, and we've kind of done a big overview and, and tied together the scriptures that have been fulfilled in this day. And so we want to continue on uh, this subject, but go into more detail on each part. So before I go into detail, I'm going to do Malachi 4, and we're going to go through the Elijah prophet. We're going to go through details on it, but I want to remind you again of the unity of the scriptures. We have three things that happened. So we see the bridegroom appearing. To, for the wedding, we see the Lord descending from heaven with a shout. The shout is the message. Uh, we see a mighty angel coming down, which is representing the very presence of God himself, Christ in spirit form, with an open book. And all of these things, Christ appearing, he uses a vessel. So in uh, the parable of the ten virgins, there's the friend of the bridegroom, that has the midnight cry, behold the bridegroom. We have First uh, Thessalonians 4.16, the shout being the message we have. Revelation 10, the mighty angel coming down, seven thunders utter their voices, and the seventh church age messenger bringing forth that revelation. That seventh church age messenger is the Malachi for Elijah that is restoring us back to the original faith. Those things, as Brother Branham wrote in the Church Ages book, those seven thunder mysteries literally turn the hearts of the children back to the apostolic fathers. So it's such a beautiful unity that we see in all these things coming together with the opening of the word, the re- restoring back to the original faith, the, the prophet and the presence of God uh, manifested through that prophet and in the Bride of Christ. So, we'll get started now with Malachi 4. So, if you're following along, we're going to start at verse 1. We're going to read through the chapter. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise, with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and ye shall be tread down the wicked, for they shall, shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So there you have it, Malachi 4, 1 through 6. And there's going to be specifically in verses uh, 5 and 6, there's going to be seven things that we want to review and examine in detail. 
So, number one, Elijah. Number two, the word before. Uh, number three, the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Number four, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Uh, number five, to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. Number six, the word lest. We'll look at that from the Hebrew. And number seven, smiting the earth with a curse. So, first is Elijah. Who is Elijah? What was his ministry? And why does God determine to send him again? Why not another prophet? So, we want to go back and look at 1 Kings uh, 17 and 18. And again, if you're following along, of course, you're going to keep your place in uh, Malachi 4. So we'll go back now, 1 Kings 17 and 18, and we're going to review those. Um, Elijah appears here for the first time in 1 Kings 17. Um, so we'll just read the first verse. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. So here is the first appearance of Elijah. And uh, God is using Elijah, really as you look at it, to call his people to repentance and back to the true worship of Jehovah God. So his ministry here, as far as we know in the scriptures, starts with saying there won't be rain or even dew until I call for it. So um, as that as his ministry goes on, we see this challenge between uh, Ahab and Jezebel and Elijah. So uh, chapter 18, verse 1, I'll read from there again. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. So this is the th in the, during the third year uh, after the drought. So there hasn't been rain for three years. Um, and he says that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. So we have, we have the continuing of this famine. So God is actually setting the scene, how patient God is for three years. He sets the scene of famine, of difficulties. It's causing everyone to call upon their God. And so now we see here God is setting up a place of confrontation and of vindication. So now God is going to actually uh, uh, bring it to the point where it's Baal, a showdown between Baal and himself, Baal and Jehovah God. So now it comes to this, Elijah uh, calls them together, uh, and it's in uh, verse, I think it's verse 17 where it starts, and it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, are you he that troubles Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, four hundred. 
which eat at Jezebel's table. That's 850 prophets. So Ahab sent unto the chil- all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long do you halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. So here we see it's, it's, it's a little different than we uh, imagine. How long do you halt? Are you, do you uh, sit on the fence in a way? Or, 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 or you're stopped and you haven't made a decision. Why, why are you stopping between making a decision about this? Don't worship both Jehovah and Baal. You can't. It doesn't work that way. Choose one of them. Choose Baal or choose Jehovah. See, they had uh, multiculturalism back then as well. And any religion is fine. All are of equal value back then. And Elijah's calling a confrontation and saying, no, not all religions are of equal value. Jehovah is the only true God. Now make your decision between Jehovah and Baal. Doesn't work that way. He says, Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and I lay and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, Jehovah. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Okay, so here we have the scene set. There is a confrontation. And Elijah is doing this by the commandment of the Lord. It's bringing a confrontation to show and vindicate who is the true and living God and who is the servant of that true and living God. Okay. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning, even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awake. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. Um, And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. So here we see something significant. The altar was broken down. Elijah restored the altar. What is the altar? It's the place of worship. He's restoring the place, the proper place of the worship of Jehovah God. Okay? And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. 
And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about around about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that thy I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. So Elijah says, let it be known that you are God and that I am your servant. So God is not, he's vindicating who God is, but also who God's servant is, so that the people will understand that this is how God is communicating with his people. Now, I want to I give the picture. The people didn't see anything from heaven. Uh, they didn't see God. They didn't see, they just saw a man. They saw Elijah. They saw a man praying. When they did see something from heaven, is is shortly coming. But leading up to this point, they just saw a man. And to know who God's servant is is significant because it lets you know where the truth of God is. So God is speaking through that man something significant. And so when we know that that is God's servant and understand that is God's servant, we actually are knowing and understanding who God is. That's an amazing fact that we see from the scriptures. Uh, and Elijah, excuse me, uh, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their heart back again. So remember in Malachi 4, uh, verse 6, he says, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So what was Elijah doing here? God was using him to turn their hearts back again to the original faith. Okay? So, um, it's marvelous. <laughs> we see that. So what is, what is the picture that God is going to do f- through Elijah in Malachi 4? It's not to turn, it's not to restore family relationships. That's wonderful, but that's not the picture that's, that uh, God, is, God is pointing out here. Elijah was used of the Lord to turn them back to the truth of the word of God and the true worship of God in that word. So what is Elijah going to do in Malachi 4? He's going to re- return them back to the true worship of of the living God through the true word of God. All right. Third <sighs> 38. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. So God coming and vindicating uh, by a supernatural pillar of fire coming down from heaven, burning up the sacrifice and the wood, even the stones and the dust, and even ate up the water with this fire. So absolutely something supernatural to prove that Elijah was the servant of God and that God was speaking through him and to turn their hearts back to the true worship of God. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. 
All right, so we see this place where God uses Elijah to vindicate himself, to turn the people's heart back to the true worship of God. So that was number one. Number two is before. So let's go back to Malachi 4, and that is chapter, uh, Malachi chapter 4, that is verse uh, 5. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah. So he's sending Elijah. Why? Well, it's to turn their hearts back to the original worship and truth of the Word of God. You can't, you can't have worship, true worship, without the true Word. There's no true worship without true Word. So in order to have true worship, we have to have the true Word restored. Okay? So behold, I will send you Elijah before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So this is simple. Before means during the period of time preceding a particular event, date, or time. So this is a time period preceding um, this event, which the event is the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So in this case, Elijah is coming prior to the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He doesn't come during that time, but he comes the period of time preceding that time. So what is the great and dreadful day of the Lord? This is a future event. Um, I've heard many people um, around the message that will take this and say the great day of the Lord was when Jesus came and died on the cross, and the dreadful day of the Lord is a future event where God burns the earth with fire. But there's no, not only is there no scriptural precedent for that, uh, Brother Branham doesn't say that anywhere in the message. This is something that was invented by message believers uh, after the time. And Okay, that's fine. If you disagree with me, may God bless you. But we want to go according to scriptural and message evidence here. So it's a future event. So let's read Isaiah 13. And we're going to read, I believe, 6 through 9. Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall all be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened and is going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge Ofer. Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. So just I wanted to read a little more to give you a bigger picture of that. So next we go to Zephaniah. And uh, <laughs> I always get nervous when I call out, you know, the minor prophets, Zephaniah, because I can never quite remember... Where there are. So just you bear with me. 
Be gracious to me as I find it. So by God's grace, I was able to find it quickly. So Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14, we start at. The great day of the Lord is near. So here we want to see, he says, the great day of the Lord is near. He doesn't say great and dreadful. He says the great day. What is the great day of the Lord? It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man, shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Okay, so we see it's uh, the day of the Lord is a, is a dangerous time. It's a wicked time. It's a time uh, where the, I mean, excuse me, it's a time where the wicked are punished. So um, this brings us to Second Peter as well. Um, he speaks of the day, he speaks of it in the sense of the day of God, of God. And this is Second Peter chapter 3. And he says, um, But the heavens and the earth, verses verse 7, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day and coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So that's the picture that we have of the day of the Lord. Um, if we go back to Malachi chapter four. We see that it, the term the day of the Lord is not used in the first part of the verse, but it basically is describing that time. For behold, the day cometh, verse 1, that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and he shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And he shall... Tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. So that is a picture of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And so let's read this from the Church Ages book, the Patmos Vision. Brother Branham writes, This is man's day. It's, it is man's doing, man's work, man's church, man's idea of worship, man's everything, for it is a man's world, that is cosmos, the world order. But the day of the Lord is coming. Yes, it is. It is just at this time of the revelation of Jesus Christ, 
John was taken up by the Spirit and transported into the, by the Spirit to that great day that is coming. The Lord's day is when the days of man are over. The kingdoms of this world will then become the kingdoms of our God. The day of the Lord is when the judgments fall, and after that comes the millennium. Right now, the world does what it wants to with the Christian. They call him all manner of evil names, making fun of him. But there is coming that great and notable day when they will wail and howl, for the Lamb is coming in wrath to judge the world. That is when the righteous will have their day with the Lord. For the wicked shall burn, and the righteous will walk over their ashes into the millennium. So we see there is the day of the Lord. It's a time of God's wrath. So Elijah is going to come before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He's not going to be there to pour out God's wrath and call the fire from heaven upon the people, but he's coming before that time period. So if he's going to be sent before God is sending wrath, what does it mean? Let's think about it this way. And we'll look more at this as we continue to break down um, uh, verse 6. But he's coming before the great and dreadful day of the Lord to turn the hearts So he's offering actually mercy. God is using uh, the spirit of Elijah upon a man, a sinner saved by grace, but a prophet called of the Lord. He's using that man to extend grace to the world. So look at it this way. He's not coming in the tribulation to pour out the wrath of God. Uh, He's not bringing the plagues and, and the... Uh, judgments of God. He's actually carrying the mercy of God if people will receive it as such. So God is extending grace to the people in order that they might be saved and delivered from the wrath that is to come. So before there is judgment, God offers mercy once again. So I want to close with that. Um, The reason being is that now I want to go in, the next part of this is to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And it's more in-depth, and we go through many scriptures, and I don't want to start that and then stop in the middle of it. So thank you for listening to PTM Contender Live. We appreciate you so much. And before we we will close uh, with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. Our desire is to... Rightly divide it, see it, see everything scripturally uh, from Genesis to Revelation, to understand it exactly the way you have revealed it in this hour, Lord, through your prophet. We're thankful for what you've done. Uh, and Lord, our desire, our sincere desire is to be, see people more established in this word so that they wouldn't be shaken, so that they know that there's an answer to these basic questions, that we can go to the scriptures and see the end time message clearly in them. Lord, fill each one with the Spirit. Those who are hurting, Lord, comfort them. Those who don't understand, grant them revelation, Lord, for it's only through the Holy Spirit that a true understanding can come, Father, to open their heart and to make it known to their minds. Father, we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May God bless you. We'll be back next time and continuing on Malachi 4.